Welcome to this week's episode of the Scale Health Podcast, the bi-monthly podcast where we work to make healthcare and the healthcare industry more understandable. We've been where you are, asking how, why does healthcare work this way? Often we're still asking ourselves. So we're glad you're joining us as we answer this question from across the industry for all of us working to innovate and improve healthcare. I'm Adam Kaufman, your host, recording from the Scale Health Studios in Los Angeles, California. And I'm excited to dive deeper into these discussions. So let's get into it. In this episode, we're focusing on healthcare consumerism. What a 2019 Health Affairs article described as, quotes, people proactively using trustworthy, relevant information and appropriate technology to make better informed decisions about their healthcare options in the broadest sense, both within and outside the clinical setting. We'll talk about the origins of healthcare consumerism, progress to date, especially as it applies to big healthcare organizations like hospitals and health plans, some of the challenges and what's left to do. We have a great episode today with keen insights from some incredible experts. And let me encourage you to listen to the whole episode, especially to hear Mindy Grossman, our last interview. Mindy is the paramount consumer expert having built apparel companies, taken home shopping network public, and was the prior CEO of Weight Watchers, and now a partner in Cancelo Partners, where she works with companies across industries. And lucky for all of us in healthcare, those include healthcare companies. So to start us off, let's hear from Scale Health member, Katie. Hi, my name is Katie Plant, and I'm the general manager for Canary Health, a Scale Health LA member. Canary Health is a leading provider of digital peer support services for individuals living with chronic conditions and family caregivers. Our platform provides evidence-based programming and services that demonstrate improved health behaviors and outcomes. We do this by having a workforce of Canary peers at the center of our service. Our peers are either living with a chronic condition themselves or have served as a family caregiver to a friend or loved one. Canary partners with some of the nation's largest health plans, employers, state health departments, and universities. My question for the podcast is, why are large healthcare organizations becoming more consumer-centric? Thank you, Katie. It is important and actually a good place to start to think about consumerism in the context of large healthcare organizations, many of whom historically had not taken a particularly consumer-centric point of view. There are several factors leading to an increased focus on consumerism in healthcare. First, broadly, and across industries, consumer expectations have increased. Healthcare has lagged as many industries have been disrupted by processes and technologies that improve the experience. Second, given the size of the healthcare sector and the opportunities it presents, consumer and technology companies have entered the industry, bringing new approaches and focus and forcing adjustments from established industry players. And maybe, most importantly, the high costs and high costs borne by consumers have both forced and empowered individuals to take a more active role in their healthcare. But before we dive into some history and some of the data and some of the trends, let's get a perspective on how traditional healthcare is responding to consumerism for Mike Torino. Mike, thank you so much for joining us, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. I've worked in health insurance for the bulk of my career, and all the organizations that I've been in our focus has been on innovating in health insurance, the financing part of how we pay for healthcare services to make the health insurance system serve its constituents, especially individuals, people like you and me. Glad to have you with that deep experience. And from the perspective, how does a health insurance company then think about evolving its products and the implications for consumers? In a traditional health insurance company, product has been defined as the 
the design of the coverage. So what does my policy cover? How does the policy pay for care? What portions of the care that I get in my policy am I financially responsible for as the policyholder, as the subscriber? There's a whole bunch of decisions wrapped up into the design of the coverage that traditionally health insurance is called product. So the product team who would decide whether telemedicine services were paid for as part of your health insurance policy or not. That's sort of a product decision to cover a innovative care delivery like a telemedicine visit. Uh, yes, that, that is part of product. And as the industry's thought a little bit more expansively about the role health insurance can play, the experience of the customer, the member, the consumer is increasingly in part of that product consideration. So it's not just the benefit design, but now it's the entire sort of experience interfacing with the health insurer and what that looks like, interfacing with the broader health system and the role that the health insurance company can play in that set of interactions. Now I have a broader purview to think about the experience that my customer has with my product and the experience my customer has as they use my product to pursue health in the marketplace. As we think about innovation then, Mike, can you relate the part about focus on the consumer journey and consumerism to concern about costs? The customers of health insurers are principally concerned with the cost and the growth of the cost to cover family of four in a commercial health plan, probably close to $30,000 now a year. Uh, so it's a big expense. So the focus is all on cost control. And how can we offer more value to people buying health coverage? And I think all the innovation that we see in healthcare financing and health insurance are different ideas about how to affect the system so that less resources get dedicated to the services that aren't advancing health for people that are covered by health insurance. And that takes all sorts of forms. So you mentioned before about telemedicine. And so I think the innovation from a health insurance perspective about telemedicine is how can we use that entry point into the care delivery system to try to influence a consumer, a member's path through the healthcare system so that they're more likely to get healthcare services that actually advance their health. And so that's, one small example of how a particular innovation might drive better value in health. Thank you, Mike. And I'm glad you helped point out these two very distinct drivers of healthcare consumers. One, improving the experience with healthcare products like health insurance to meet consumer expectations often around convenience that are built from their experience with sectors like retail and banking outside of healthcare. And from this driver, we see many innovations. For example, innovations in online interactions with your doctor or your insurance company, like paying bills online. And a second driver of engaging consumers is to guide how and what care is delivered and help constrain costs. And that comes from desire to control these rising healthcare costs and the recognition that individuals make many of the choices that drive costs in healthcare. Examples of this kind of healthcare consumerism this kind driven by cost containment often relate to innovation in prices borne by consumers. For example, making preventative visits zero cost. In this latter category falls what are called consumer-directed health plans. These health plans have generally much lower premiums, but much higher deductibles 
and are often coupled with tax advantage health savings accounts. And in this structure, beyond basic, regular preventative care, a consumer would pay for almost all his or her health care consumption directly. One way to see the difference in this coverage is an example. We can look at two plans for a 40-year-old from Blue Shield of California. Their bronze 60 high-deductible PPO plan has a monthly premium of $447, while their gold 80 PPO plan, so not a high-deductible plan, has a premium of $680. And the high-deductible plan has a $7,000 deductible for an individual, while the gold plan has a $0 deductible. But what does this actually mean to a consumer? So one example of how this plays out is for a specialist physician visit. In the high deductible plan, the consumer pays the full amount until reaching his or her deductible. While in the gold plan, it would cost a flat $65. Another example is an urgent care visit, which would cost the full cost in that high deductible plan until the deductible is reached, but only $35 in that gold, not high deductible plan. So the consumer pays a much lower amount per month, but bears a much greater amount of the direct cost for any care received. Now, in both cases, normal preventative care is still $0 cost, but beyond this kind of care, we see the consumer in the high deductible plan has a much stronger incentive to control healthcare utilization and rein in costs. Hence, why these plans are called consumer-directed health plans, and we can see why they're one of the key drivers of healthcare consumers. Even in the high deductible plan, there is what is called an out-of-pocket maximum. So if the individual has a catastrophic injury or illness, coverage still kicks in. But before this, most care is really being paid for by the consumer directly. And these high deductible plans are no longer a small part of the market. According to Mercer, a leading professional services firm advising on insurance, for those that get their coverage through their employer, the percent of employees in a high deductible plan has grown from 3% in 2006 to 40% in 2021. I'm so very privileged to welcome Dr. Medell briggs Malarns into the Scale Health Podcast. Central to healthcare consumerism is the need to deeply engage individuals and put them back at the center of their journey. Whether to improve their experience or to help them better manage their health or both, this is a central idea. Medell is the Chief for Health, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion at UCLA and someone who thinks deeply about ensuring we all see ourselves in the healthcare system. Medell, Thank you so much for joining us, and please start by telling the audience a little about yourself. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for having me here today. It's great to be on this podcast. I go by Medell Briggs-Melanson. I'm the Chief for Health Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion for UCLA Health System. I'm also an Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine at the David Geffen School of Medicine, and I also wear a couple of other hats. I'm the founder and the CEO of Contour Health Solutions, which is a national consulting firm that actually provides clinical matter expertise to help tech innovators as well as investors. So from your point of view, what's the one or two most important things that people should know about healthcare consumerism? So healthcare consumerism is definitely something that I think has been increasing over the past couple of years. However, we still have not been able to get it right. And I think the reason why we haven't been able to get it right is because we tend to try to innovate from our own perspective, what we think is going to help a patient, what we think is going to improve their healthcare, and really not centering those who we plan on serving or those who we're creating for. If we think that we're going to serve a certain type of individual or a certain patient population, 
they need to be at the table with us. They need to make sure that they are able to not only take part in the design, but then also taking part in all of the various different testing and validation, and really also make sure that it's going to be long lasting. So one critical error that I tend to see, especially as we're really trying to focus on healthcare consumerism, and especially with new solutions, whether it's technology, apps, whatever that may be, is that we often can sometimes get very tunnel visioned and we are only thinking about one type of individual or one group and forgetting that there's a lot of various different people out there with various different needs, various different backgrounds, various different experiences that would absolutely benefit from this technology or solution. Are you optimistic that we're trending in the right way in terms of involving the right people at the appropriate times to make that change? I would say we're moving in the right direction, but it's still a little slow. I was actually involved in a conversation with some innovators not too long ago in which we were talking about the same exact concept. How do we center the consumers that we're building products for, that we really want to help their health? And so what I would say is that we're now starting to think more about the importance of the patient voice at the table as innovators, but we still need to be more intentional with it. And I think we still need to continue to develop those additional models where we're saying we appreciate your input, we appreciate your recommendations, and in return, this is what we're doing for you. It's great that healthcare consumerism has come to mean in large part becoming consumer centric, but historically it was also a euphemism for making consumers pay more of their own healthcare costs. Any comments on that part of what consumerism has meant in healthcare? I truly feel that healthcare is a right. I believe that no matter who you are, you deserve to have access and receive the highest quality, most equitable care possible. But what we've done with some of our various different financial models, especially when it's come to healthcare consumerism, we have historically tried to shift the cost to patients, and especially with some of our various different types of plans. There's another group that has actually been emerging, which I do find some challenges with. And these are some of those other groups where it's thought that you pay a low amount of money for your premium initially, but then if you ever have to use healthcare services, such as emergency department, for instance, to come and see me in the ER, or if you're ever hospitalized or having a baby or whatever that may be, while you're only paying a small amount each month, if you actually do use those healthcare services, you are paying a large amount of money. And unfortunately, I think some of these companies are preying on those individuals that may be younger, may not have as much money, and they're saying, hey, you have to be insured. We'll give you a package. You don't have to pay that much out of pocket each month. But oh my goodness, if you ever have to use healthcare, you are going to go probably into a significant amount of financial debt. So that's where I feel in terms of consumerism. There's many, many other kind of models out there too. But I do feel that we have to, again, really focus on the fact that it's our job to care for patients. And it's our job to make sure that receipt of care does not cause financial challenges and problems for those that we're serving. Thank you, Medell. And I really appreciate you directly addressing the challenges of healthcare consumerism. One, to ensure that we really are focused on the consumer, really all of the consumers. And two, 
that we design mechanisms that, while trying to impact behavior, safeguard those consumers. In this next segment, I talk with Philip and Constantine about their firm's work building consumer-centric solutions and helping ensure innovation really delivers value for the consumer. It's hard, as we heard from Adele, to ensure we understand consumers, and hard, we'll hear in a second, to then build great solutions. So, Philip and Constantine, welcome, and thank you for joining us. And please tell us a little bit about yourselves and post-industria. Well, hi, Adam. Thanks so much for having us. My background is really in designing and deploying a lot of different healthcare solutions from sexual health to immunology. It's mainly been direct to consumer. And these days I focus my work with Constantine, um, who's sitting here next to me, to learn more and essentially help companies with web and data science team augmentation. We do a lot of different healthcare related business to business, but our focus to these days is really on data science and machine learning in radiology, clinical trials, medication, reimbursement, and what I'm super excited about, mental health. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for having me here as well. My background is essentially in engineering, but I've been running post-industrial since 2010 as a CEO, and now we have around 15 SME clients. And for some of them, we have been the core team from day one and still there. For others, like Mami, we've been growing with their team from the very beginning and supporting them when they are well, still are supporting. And healthcare has always been a focus for ours. Appreciate that. And would love to hear how you link healthcare consumerism and the importance of the consumer in healthcare with the concepts that come from user-centered design and consumer centricity in the programs themselves. Even if I'm more of an under the hood guy these days, we of course focus as well on user experience and, and consumer centered design, which is super important. But what I would like to stress here is that it needs to fulfill a purpose that is of the value to the consumer. And what I mean by that is when I look around, too many digital adaptations for healthcare are designed to mimic a single process. And with this, when you take something from a chain of event, you might pretty quickly lose its efficacy or effectiveness, if not designed with a clear consumer value in mind. And uh, yeah, digital applications that are ideally focused on just one diagnosis and delivering it in a very easy to use way, they, are, they seem great at first and uh, the reality is more complex and it's hard to, to admit that because then you have to design way more than just this simple tool. Please do share some of those projects. I think what you're saying is there's a lot of work that needs to be done with a patient, especially in the context of healthcare to help them get healthier. So share some of the things that you're currently doing or have done in the past. Well, I think one of the prominent examples is definitely mommy and how they have lowered the threshold to seek clinical advice during, before, and after pregnancy. That's super cool. And technology enabling doulas and empowering of the consumer. And we have been a big part of their team since the beginning, as, as I mentioned before. And we are actually contributing to the aroma roadmap as well. Yeah, Sunny and Melissa, super smart guys. We're so grateful to work with them. And if you think about what they've done, technology enabling doulas here and empowering the consumer, I think it's so cool. So you guys have been at the forefront of innovation for a long time. Where are some of the areas that you and your, your clients are innovating? For the last couple of years, that's hands down machine learning and data science. So right now we're applying these to different domains or within healthcare, like physicians that are to, enabling them to use better medications, computer vision for radiology and other cases, NLP, to reach the patient history analysis, find patient cases that have to be reimbursed 
or have better chances of being reimbursed or uh, finding patients for clinical trials. And I hear post-industria will be at the Scale Health Pavilion in Las Vegas during the health conference. Can you tease anything you'll be showing there? What I really burn for right now is we're a proof of concept that we're running with how we, we are enabling a language model to give cognitive and behavioral coaching for anxiety. It's really, really hacking your biology and super cool. We hope to be able to demo this in Vegas, but right now I have a lot of work to do for, to make that happen. Yeah, we do have clients and we also run our own projects that we could learn from and experience this firsthand. So in Vegas, you can use our services like Ask Tino, our AI model that's going to be essentially a simple interface on top of MLOps data and machine engineering tasks. And that's a perfect fit actually for a variety of problems that are the healthcare is facing today. Come check us out in Vegas, guys. Greetings, Scale Health community, and thank you for tuning in to our podcast and sharing in our efforts to make healthcare better. I'm Chris Spearman, CSO here at Scale Health, and I'm excited to share that this year we are sponsors for the Health Conference in Las Vegas. Health brings together the entire health ecosystem, focused on health innovation and transformation. From unparalleled events with industry-leading speakers to inspirational digital content and mission-driven initiatives. Health creates a healthcare community, leading the dialogue and development of a better health ecosystem. Sign up with the code SCALEHEALTH150 and save $150 for a limited time. And be sure to drop by the Scale Health Pavilion and the main exhibit hall. We're bringing more than 30 innovators and partners, delivering some of the best new ideas in healthcare. As healthcare, has come to focus more on the consumer. The industry has benefited from countless people bringing their expertise from outside of healthcare. But few bring the breadth of experience and depth of perspective as Mindy Grossman, our next guest. I had the good fortune to work with her when she was CEO of Weight Watchers and learned firsthand the power of brand, of consumer voice, and truly listening to consumers as we design and build and take to market new products. So Mindy, thank you so much for joining me and to start, Please share your background with the audience. Sure. I'm thrilled to be here. Always great to have a conversation with you about a topic I'm very passionate about. I've spent my entire career in the consumer landscape across many different verticals from apparel with Tommy Hilfiger and Ralph Lauren, ran the global apparel business for Nike, started their first Women's Leadership Council, then joined Barry Diller to take over IAC Retail, which I ultimately took public as, as HSNI, and then left to join Oprah and the team at Weight Watchers in the transformation to a more holistic health and wellness company. And I've always been known as a transformer, especially in businesses that really need transformation to meet the consumer much more significantly where they are. And healthcare is certainly one of those areas that needs transformation to meet the consumer. What are you seeing as some of the major trends today? When I think about what is happening today, and to be clear, this started before we lived through the last number of years of disruption because of COVID. But I think what's happening in the consumer landscape, especially given the radical reappraisal of what people want in their lives around 
their health and in their future is to take more control. For so many years, it really has been not geared really directly to the consumer. It's either been through the physicians or the payers or et cetera. And what people want right now is they want control of their health. They want personalization. They want simplicity. They want transparency and they want clarity. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of the evolution of new ways for consumers to integrate and whether that is the capabilities that have now empowered them through technology terms of virtual or the capabilities for access to information. All of those things are so important today. You feeling like we're delivering on that to consumers in healthcare? No. And I'm not being dismissive. I think that until we take a significant level of complexity out of the equation, I think that's going to be very, very difficult. So I think there's frustration on, on all sides about this, but I think it is a very big topic of conversation right now across all the verticals of healthcare. And if you look at diversity and people's access, right? So it's age, gender, race, ethnicity, life stage, all of these things are very important and people's needs are very different at different parts of their life. And I think most would agree we're certainly not doing that at anywhere near the scale and the depth we need to. But from your incredible vantage point at Cancelo, as an advisor, as a board member, as an investor across so much industry, are there a couple of places where you think we're doing a good job? Well, I, I do think that there has been an evolution in telehealth, which I think is going to continue to be critical, especially to give people access. I think that a lot of what's happening in virtual care is going to be very, very critical. Any comment maybe as it relates to diversity? We have a very significant divide in access and that has created a lot of issues. The good news is that it's coming much more to the forefront whether that's food access or health access. I think the other thing that I'm seeing in kind of new iterations of whether it's physical environments or whether it's group environments, really the power of community. And you and I always felt that in, the, in today and in the future, empowering people to come together with a support network is also going to be very important, particularly as we talk about things like life stage. I'm involved with a number of health systems that are really focused on women at different life stages and what are their needs that wasn't really being addressed in the normal institutions. And I think that's going to be very important as well. One of the things I've, I've always valued about your perspective and working with you is you haven't seen innovation as just the purview of the startup companies or the new companies, but that it's something that everyone needs to do. What advice might you have for newer companies, innovators who are thinking about working in healthcare with some of the larger players? So I actually am a self-professed resilient optimist in an environment 
like what we are all experiencing today. It's very volatile, it's very uncertain. I actually think it's a time of greatest opportunity. And I think what we all need to be thinking about is how we pivot in the right ways, how we innovate, how we think about how we wanna come out of this, but look at it through the consumer lens on what are the greatest needs gonna be and what is creating true value. And that's what we have to be thinking about, whether it's value for the consumer or value for any of the other elements of healthcare, because the costs have to be mitigated in order for us to invest. So the more we can empower people, the more we can give them the tools that are gonna enable them to be healthier, the more we're going to be able to invest. And that's the lens that we have to be looking through. We have to be able to break through complexity and embrace the ability to move more quickly to address what is a critical need right now. That's really well said. That flywheel of improving access, helping people get healthier, reducing costs creates the capacity to do more of it. So no small charge for healthcare consumerism. Empower individuals, help ensure diversity and inclusion, and enable better health while lowering costs. And so I guess it's consumer to the rescue. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Scale Health Podcast. Please subscribe to get all our episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Send any comments or questions to podcast at scalehealth.com. And please join us as we continue our exploration to better enable all innovators in healthcare. This podcast is brought to you by Scale Health, an innovation marketplace connecting leading health organizations with future-forward solutions. Special thank you to our host, Adam Kaufman, and the Scale Health production team, Taylor McPartland, Chris Spearman, and myself, Alia Abdullah.